And here this morning, we're starting our new series on the Psalms. Some of you know the Psalms very, very well. Um, I don't think anyone I know has memorized all the Psalms. There's 150 of them. But uh, to many of you, I know the Psalms are like old friends. And some of you have yet, I would say, maybe to discover the particular gift and joy that we find in this book of the Psalms. We're going to go on a bit of a a journey this summer. We're going to dive into some Psalms. I want to start by asking, what are Psalms? Well, essentially, the Psalms are a collection of inspired Hebrew prayers and and hymns or or songs. Uh, For for many, they're the the best known and and best loved passages of the entire Old Testament. Apart from Isaiah, uh, the Psalms are quoted more in the New Testament than any other book. They have been for 3,000 years the prayer book, the, 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 the prayers of the people of God. And I'd say this this morning, they're the type of reading that fits almost in any situation. Uh, they apply to the various places of life that we find ourselves in. And on Friday night at the Rising Eagle uh, Reconciliation event, uh, Chief Kenny Blackby, uh, Blacksmith, uh, when he read... Psalm 24. It was a time of celebration and declaration and faith. And he read, lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. So there are psalms of of praise. There are psalms of celebration. But then, of course, the, the psalms are equally fitting in times of suffering and times of loss. Like Psalm 142, which begins with the words, I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out before him my complaint. Before him I tell my trouble. And of course, most funerals that I've attended have most appropriately featured a psalm. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. So the Psalms are, are, are loved, I'd say, by many, yet despite of all this, the Psalms are often uh, misunderstood. They're sometimes misused. And so before we begin unpacking individual Psalms in the weeks to come, um, I want to start today by thinking about what, what's a, a good approach? Uh, how do we deal with these, these Psalms? How do we treat these prayers that can sometimes be for us very confusing and difficult? And we'll consider why I, I believe they can be such a Powerful help to us in feeding us spiritually and growing us in our relationship with God. To get us started, I thought I'd introduce you to a couple of friends of mine by way of video. Um, one is uh, Bono, uh, lead singer of U2, and uh, the other is Eugene Peterson, um, author of the, the Message Paraphrase of Scripture and many other, many other books. I call them friends not because I chill with them, Although I think if they got to, mo- to know me, they, we could be really, really best friends. <laughs> I think so. But I, I call them my friends because uh, they have been friends to me in the way they've, in, in many ways, through the their words of their books and the words of their music, uh, even the heart with which they sing, um, I have been inspired and mentored by them. Both are committed followers of Jesus. Jesus. Both are lovers of the Psalms. In fact, you uh, too, in many of their, their concert tours, they have ended their, uh, their, their concert with a song. Their, their, their song 40, which is based on Psalm 40. Two summers ago, Bono, who has actually developed a friendship with, with Eugene Peterson, they've become friends. 
largely because Bono is, is such a fan of the message and the Psalms in the message. And he visited uh, Eugene in his Flat Rock, uh, Montana home. And uh, they have a conversation about the Psalms. Let's, uh, let's watch the screen. What is your earliest memory of the Psalms? And what sort of impression did it have on you both? I was 12 years old when I discovered the Psalms. I picked up the Bible and I started reading. And somebody told me that the Psalms were important, so I started with the Psalms. And I was totally confused. Because um, I grew up in a culture where every word in the Bible was the Word of God, literally. Don't mess around with it. It's just, that's the way it is. And I was starting to read uh, that he keeps my tears in this bottle, uh, shields, <laughs> uh, javelins, uh, rock. God is a rock. Come on. And um, after about two or three weeks of this, I just was just confused, and I thought, I'm missing something. And uh, I'd never heard the word metaphor before, but I learned what a metaphor was not by knowing the name, but by just observing what's going on in the Psalms. So I think the Psalms are important because they, for some people, like me, at 12 years old, they showed me that imagination was, um, was a way to get inside the truth. I remember the Psalms from the little Church of Ireland church. Um, um, as a child going, I remember thinking, great words, shame about the tunes. Uh, except for The Lord is My Shepherd, which was a great tune. And I really like that. This is good. Words and melodies. Ah! They have this rawness, the brutal honesty of whether it's David or not, it doesn't matter. The psalmist is brutally honest about the explosive joy um, that he's feeling and the deep sorrow or confusion. And it's that that makes, that sets the psalms apart for me. And, and I often think, gosh, well, why isn't church music more like that? The Lord's my shepherd, I'll not one. He makes me down to lie in pastures green. He leadeth me the quiet waters by. Is that right? It's beautiful. It was right. That was a, a great video, wasn't it? These, these two friends sharing uh, how the Psalms have influenced them. I, I, I like, uh, uh, you know, I, I like that version of the Lord is my shepherd. I sung that when I was a little boy, not in the Church of Ireland. But uh, I like how Eugene Peterson described his initial confusion with the Psalms, with these, these words, you know, that like javelin and shield and tears kept and, and, and rocks. And then getting to the place where, where somehow that language was actually used by God to shape his faith. Um, 
Now, now one of the problems with interpreting the Psalms comes primarily from what they are. Because because the Bible is God's word, most, most Christians automatically assume the Bible just contains words from God to people. But the Bible also contains words spoken to God or about God, and somehow these words are God's word as well. Uh, these are they're basically prayers to God, or they're songs or hymns that express some kind of truth about God. And unlike other parts of Scripture, the, the Psalms aren't a a list of, of propositions about God. Not, they're not a list of commandments, or they're, they're, they're not stories that are meant to open up to us some, some teaching or, or doctrine or moral behavior. The Psalms are different. I, I'd say they have a different purpose in our life of faith. I, I think they're actually meant to ignite actual faith in us. They're designed to help us do what the, uh, uh, we, we see the original writers of Scripture modeling for us in the Psalms. They're meant to help us express ourselves to God, and they're meant to reveal to us God's ways. Um, years ago, we used to have a tagline that we, we used for a time to describe ourselves at, here at Hillside. Some of you might remember it. I still really like it. It was real people, real life, real faith. And uh, what we were trying to get with that, that line was, was somehow getting at this value that we've held for many, many years and we still hold to this day of, of authenticity. You know, of not having to, to pretend, not um, when your life is just going awful, that you just, to the rest of the world, you, you know, you come to church and it's like two thumbs up and smile on your face, right? How are you? Delightful. Exceptional. When inside, you're dying. Haven't you, haven't you, maybe you've been in that kind of an environment where you felt like I could never express my true self or be my true self. So it's kind of a reaction, uh, this, this kind of pursuit of authenticity is kind of a reaction to some of the things that Jesus warned about, this kind of religion where, where we're overly concerned about outward appearances, about our image, about looking the part or, or, or looking right looking good. So real people, real life, real faith was meant to communicate both to ourselves and to others outside that being a, a person of faith doesn't mean some, some super spiritual condition that denies what's really going on in us, that, that denies our problems or troubles and just pretends that we're okay even when we're not. We're real people. We're, we're not better than. I, I think we could be best described where fellow stragglers, strugglers, I should say, with the rest of the world. And the psalmists and the psalms deal with our real life, our, our real human condition with all of its doubt and brokenness and pain and hurt and anger and hate. And all, in, in the psalms, all those, uh, those negative emotions get wonderfully turned into prayer. Um, do you remember how uh, Bono said how he just appreciated the rawness and the, the brutal honesty of the Psalms? You know, those explosive joys, but also the, the confusion and the sorrows. I, I've loved that about the Psalms. Psalm 35 is a, is a good example of this. It, it's what the scholars call 
an imprecatory psalm. Isn't that a great word? Impre- Let everyone say it with me. Imprecatory. Yeah, that's one you're going to drop in a sentence this week, I'm sure. It's a word that, that means to invoke or call down a, a curse or evil upon a person. It's an imprecatory psalm. There's psalms that actually do this. We have this imprecatory style in Psalm, verse, uh, psalm 35. Listen to what it says. It says, contend, this is a person kind of praying out to God, contend, Lord, with those who contend with me, fight against those who fight against me, take up shield and armor, arise and come to my aid. Brandish spear. He's saying, God, brandish spear and javelin against those who pursue me. Say to me, I am your salvation. May those who seek my life be disgraced and put to shame. May those who plot my ruin be turned back in dismay. May they be like chaff before the wind with the angel of the Lord driving them away. May their path be dark and slippery with the angel of the Lord pursuing them. Do you actually read? I mean, sometimes we gloss it. We re, I think we have read these kind of words so much. We, like, like he's telling them, may the angel of the Lord make their paths dark and slippery and chase them into the shadows kind of thing. I mean, like, this is like some serious violent language, what this guy is calling down upon his enemy, those who've hurt him. I, 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 and you've got to ask the question, how does this part of Scripture actually jive with Jesus? Jesus who is the perfect revelation of what God is like. Jesus' words that said, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Bless those who curse you. How does this jive with that? <laughs> and how does calling curses down find kind of an honored place in Scripture in God's Word? Like, like, how did this make it into the canon? Well, I'd say this. God knows you. And God knows me. And he, he knows what's inside of us. He knows what, uh, what damage the fall has done to our character. He knows that uh, oftentimes when somebody um, hurts us, we're so tempted to hurt back. You know, I... I uh, Canada has this rap of being a very peaceful nation, like, like a very pleasant people. We apologize for everything, right? Just about. Um, do you, want, you know when you, you see an underside to Canada? Go out on the road. Like, just drive for a bit. We're, we're an angry people, I'd say. Wouldn't you say that? Like, we're a really angry people. Uh, the, uh, uh, road rage was not invented in California. They, they, we only hear about road rage in California because they have more guns than we do up here. If we had more guns here, there'd be a lot of, there'd be a lot of deaths on the road because I've seen a lot of, lot of road rage. You, you probably have your own stories in experiencing that. That's not brought on by the fact that somebody cut you off, by the way. That's something that's inside of you. <laughs> Uh, somehow uh, you've believed that, that your, your comfort, uh, your drive, your purpose is, is greater than, or more important than anybody else's. And so, 
So God not only knows what's inside of us, he knows that that can't stay inside of us. He knows it needs expression. It needs a, a safe place, a safe environment with which to deal with this, this negative emotion that's within us. And the Psalms teach us how to do that, and it teaches us where to do that, how to express to God both our joys and our sorrows, our successes and our failures, our hopes and our fears and our hate and our regret, our anger. The Psalms, I would say, give us permission to be honest. They give us permission to bring before God the real me, not the pretend cleaned up mate. And before God... Even our hate expressed to him can become holy text. Somebody have a hearing aid that's going haywire? Is that possible? Oh, she's got it. Okay, ushers. It's buzzing. Okay, all right. No, ushers, take her out. I meant it. I wasn't kidding. I mean, she, I mean, she is my favorite K in the world, but, you know, we got to draw a line somewhere. Are you saying you can't hear me right now because your hearing aid's now off? Is that what you're saying? It's terrible. That's awesome. Any frustration you have towards me, I would encourage you to make, turn it into a psalm and pray it later. <laughs> I'm telling. <laughs> This is a great surprise, great, great challenge, great gift of, of the Psalms, is that we can be ourselves. We can bring, bring our real lives. Uh, we don't have to, to, to get cleaned up before we, we meet God. We come as we are. I, another potential problem with the Psalms is also why they're so brilliant. They're poetry. And they just use this vivid, um, colorful language. Uh, now, I don't know about you, but I've had a love-hate relationship with poetry. When I think poetry, I think Shakespeare and what I had to go through in high school. And the only way I could understand high school is to have somebody, or Shakespeare was to have somebody explain it to me, uh, or using the cool notes of the day. Uh, I think of haiku, like whoever invented haiku, you couldn't have a more confusing type of poem than haiku. Um, so I think, when I think poetry, I think confused. I, I mean, I, couldn't we have just stuck with roses are red? Violets are blue. Sugar is sweet, and so are you. Or uh, as the one I came across this week. It's now my favorite version. It's a little bit irreverent. I'm sorry. Roses are yellow. Violets are bluish. If, I, if it weren't for Christmas, we'd all be Jewish. <laughs> okay, that's bad. I, I just know that's bad. So even, but even poetically challenged Derwin here, I can't deny the power of poetry. You know, uh, unlike prose or propositional speech, poetry is heart language. It's the language of life and love and, and relationship. It's about ig igniting imaginations. American poet laureate uh, Rita Dove put it this way. She said, poetry is language at its most distilled and most powerful. And, and, and I'd say the poetic power of the Psalms actually help us Keeping, keep, help, helps keep us from one of the great temptations of the Christian faith, which is second-hand spirituality. 
which is getting our, our Christian spirituality secondhand, settling for that. You know, we live in a day as Christians where we have more access than at any other time in history to, to materials, to information, to sermons, to talks, to books. All of these things are accessible to us with a click of the button, a click of the mouse. Uh, answers to any question we might have. There's a website that deals with that question alone. And all those things can be very good. And then sometimes, actually, we even just, we come to church on Sunday mornings, but this is it for us. This 75 or 80 minutes on Sunday morning is kind of like, that's my spiritual nourishment. I'm going to listen to somebody talk, but that's it. That's my spiritual life for the week. And those things can be, all these things can be very, very good, but but they're secondhand. We, we need more than secondhand spirituality. I, I like what Karina Ware writes. She said, we sometimes bootleg our spiritual experience from sources other than from our direct experience of God. She goes on to say, it is not that these things are bad. They are simply not the primary text. God is the primary text. So the psalmist is not just writing about God. They teach us how to have a direct encounter and experience with God. They give us language for relating to God. As Eugene Peterson said, he says, the Psalms are important because they employ our imaginations as a way to get inside the truth. So just to kind of wrap us up, and I want to ask you, give, give some tips and, and some thinking around, how do we read the Psalms? How do, what are some approaches that we can take to, to getting through the Psalms? I, I want to take uh, just a few minutes unpacking that, and then we're going to actually pray through one psalm quite briefly. First, when you're reading the psalms, consider the psalm as a whole. It can be uh, so tempting, I think, to take one verse out of the psalm out of context, but the, the psalms have this, they have this poetic pattern that's meant to take the reader on a journey. It, it, where you start at the beginning of the psalm isn't where you end, and, and the, the writer, I don't know if you ever had this when you've been writing something and, and you actually transition and your thoughts transition. This is what's happening in the psalm and you're invited to kind of join in on that journey as a, as a participant. So for example, Psalm 13. This incredible psalm of lament. A psalm of expression, uh, uh, an expression of grief or of complaint to God. Let me, let me read it and notice where the psalmist begins and where it ends. How long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. You see the journey we've been taking on in that psalm? It begins by expressing his complaint to God. It, it, it begins by just kind of him stating the facts and then it turns into a prayer in verse 3. Look on me and answer God. Give light to my eyes. And then verse 5, we see this transition to trust. You know, but I trust in your unfailing love. Even as he's prayed out his frustration and his anger, his sorrow, he remembers, God has been good to me. He's able to remember that, recall that. So read the whole psalm and let, the, 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 let it take you on a journey. Another thought, just quickly, some of the psalms actually 
kind of tell you the context of when it's written. So consider that context. Uh, it, you could tell you this little inscript at the top, uh, inscription at the top might tell you who the author was who wrote the psalm, or it could tell you the historical context when it happened. And, and so if you read in Psalm chapter 3, for instance, the inscription on the top, it, it reads these words, the Psalm of David, when he fred, fled from his son Absalom. And so you read that, you can actually turn to 2 Samuel 15 and read the story of David's son rebelling against him and David having to flee with his family for his life. And you read that story in conjunction with these words in Psalm 3 and somehow you imaginatively enter into the story. Uh, I'd say three, don't be in a hurry when you read the Psalms. Uh, They're meant to be read slowly and deliberately, just allow the sights and the sounds and the taste. It's using the kind of language that's it's very sensory. And so allow yourself to read it slowly and maybe even reread it. I read and reread a psalm uh, each day. Uh, number four, try reading a psalm out loud, even if you're by yourself. In ancient days, this is how psalms were treated. They were prayers or songs. They were heard more than read. And, and I find, I, I, I don't know if you've ever done this, but I, I have, have taken on a new habit of actually, when I'm finding that, I, when I'm reading, I'm not getting anything out of the text I'm reading. If I read that same text out loud, I find that it impacts me in, in a profound and powerful way. And so re, try reading it out loud. And then finally, we should pray the Psalms. Let the voice of the Psalm you're reading be your voice. You know, put your life circumstance into that one. You're not going to connect with every psalm in that way, but if you can put yourself in the shoes of the writer, that, that, the realities of that psalm will become real to you. Um, there's a, a hillsider who's begun doing this. He he's actually takes psalms that he likes and he has personalized them. And he's actually uh, crossed out, uh, not in his actual Bible, but on, online, he's, he's crossed out... Um, the pronouns and put in personal pronouns. He's, he's inserted family members. When he's praying against an enemy, he actually names the enemy in his life. And, and he's been telling me how powerful that is, this has been for him. And, and it, it is a, a profound experience to pray through those psalms. I find when God actually uh, highlights one part of the text to me when I'm reading it, I will usually pause there when I'm reading the Psalms and just pray that text, that little sentence or two back to God. That's a, a good practice. And these are just some of the simple uh, approaches to praying the Psalms, uh, and, and I believe it'll, they'll help us to connect with God as we read the Psalms. But this, this praying the Psalms, this learning to come to the Psalms with listening is something I'd like for us to practice right now with one Psalm. We're going to do uh, what has often been called Lecto, Lectio Divina, which is a fancy Latin phrase that simply means reading the Bible. We're going to read the Bible, we're going to read this psalm, but with a, an attentive ear, a listening heart. Um, this approach, as we, we take a, a particular scripture, we're going to be very intentional to seek to discern what is the Holy Spirit saying to us? What is he saying to you? Um, We'll do this again with the, the 23rd Psalm because it's a very familiar psalm. We, it, it's, it's familiar for good reason. It's a very good psalm. Uh, I'm going to read it through once just now in a moment or two. 
And what I'm going to invite you to do is listen for a word or two that seems to jump off the, jump to your ear for you, that seems to stand out for you. Just pay attention to that and don't read too much into it. Don't jump to any conclusions about what it means. At this point, we're going to just simply listen for a phrase or a word that God might be speaking to you right now. We're going to do this two or three times reading through the Psalms and just uh, allowing, allowing God to speak to us. So let's just take a moment of silence to prepare our hearts. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's just take a moment. If God highlighted a word for you or two, and you're willing, just shout it out now. Let's maybe have some of us share some of the words God put in your heart. Just speak it out. That's right. That's right. Okay, don't don't explain it. Just I want to hear just the the phrase. Just you don't have to explain it at all. Thanks, Paul. Surely. It's good. I shall not want. Forever. Restores my soul. With me, my shepherd. Mercy, paths of righteousness. Fear no evil. Comfort me. Let's uh. Let's read it again. And this time, invite the Holy Spirit to reveal to you a, a, not just a word, but maybe an idea or a truth 
that, that is coming out to you. It might have something to do with God highlighted before to you, or it might be something completely different, but let's read it again. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Maybe it's just two or three this time. Want to share more of a thought that came through? Sorry, Julie? The cup runs over? What, what did that image mean to you, do you think? So taken to pastures, and it's rich and verdant, and I'm made to slow down there. Yeah. One more. Speak a little bit louder, Rebecca. right. So a sense that this psalm was not just for walking through death's valleys, but actually it's meant to be something where you're experiencing in life. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Okay, let's, let's do it one more time. I know we're going over time, but I don't, you know, I'd love for this last time, and I won't have you share this one, but ask, is God inviting a response to you? Is there some way that he's asking you to actually do something? It might be an act of generosity. It might be asking forgiveness of a friend. It might be some particular thing he's calling to you. It might be a sin that you're, you're wrestling with that he wants you to, 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 to address with him. Whatever it might be, see if there's something that God is inviting or asking of you. And you can just respond in your heart. One more time. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake.
Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. I'm, uh, I'm pretty excited about uh, what we're going to learn this summer in the, in the Psalms, and uh, not just what we'll learn, but how we will grow in our capacity to express ourselves honestly to God and get to learn His ways through these Psalms. Uh, a couple of encouragements. If you're going to be away this summer, as many of us are, I don't, don't expect that you'll be here every Sunday Track with us online. Great to take this journey as kind of a congregation. So you can do that. Our sermons are posted online on our website every week. And each week we'll let you know what the next psalm is going to be. So next week, for instance, we're going to be uh, looking at Psalm 32. And so we would encourage you, you could consider doing this, adding this to your routine this week, is to read Psalm 32 every day. Meditate on Psalm 32 and then just believe when we come together that that unpacking of Psalm 32 is going to be richer for everybody. So Psalm 32 is one, if you'd like, you can read through that this week and let God speak to you through the week. That'll be great preparation. Um, I'm going to pray, and then Lincoln's just going to lead us in a song. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, we are so glad you are our shepherd this morning. In you, we will not want, because you've told us that in you, we have everything that we need. Thank you, Father, for all you do for us. Uh, making us lie down in green, lush pastures, leading us to quiet places, still waters, Lord. Thank you for the way you restore our soul and and you lead us in, in, in right ways, righteous paths, for your namesake, for your glory. Lord, even when we walk through dark valleys, we don't have to be afraid, for you're with us. And we do take great comfort, God, in your rod and your staff and your presence. Amazingly, God, you actually say you prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. That blows our minds, God. And still yet, you anoint our heads with oil. You fill our cups to overflowing. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy which you tell us is going to follow us all the days of our lives. We can count on this, and we can have this great hope that we will dwell in your house forever. Amen. Mm -hmm.